Hello, and welcome to Breast Cancer Conversations, a podcast brought to you by survivingbreastcancer.org. I'm Laura Carfing, breast cancer survivor and founder of survivingbreastcancer.org, a nonprofit organization providing community, education, and resources to empower those diagnosed with breast cancer and their caregivers from day one and beyond. Hello, hello, my friends. Welcome to another episode of Breast Cancer Conversations. I am so glad you are joining us today. We have quite the panel and lineup for you where we are focusing on the topic of progression and living with metastatic breast cancer. I am joined with Abigail Johnston, Amy Parliman, Claudia Gonzalez, and Amanda Raffinod. These incredible women share their personal stories living with a metastatic stage four diagnosis of breast cancer and their experiences dealing with progression, defining what progression means because it can take on different forms, understanding treatment options, and how they're navigating life living from scan to scan. Before we jump into today's conversation, I do want to let our listeners know that we have a variety of services for both early stage and late stage breast cancer survivors and thrivers and community members. If you hop on over to survivingbreastcancer.org forward slash events, you can see everything that we have going on from our Thursday Night Thrivers series, which also includes breakout sessions for those living with metastatic disease on the first and third Thursday of the month. We are also proud to announce our SBC in Spanish series, where we offer support groups on Tuesdays entirely in Spanish. So lots of information, lots of resources. And if you are new to our Breast Cancer Conversations podcast or our MBC webinar series, you can also head over to our website and check out past episodes. So that way you can get information on not just progression, which we're talking about today, but other hot topics for the metastatic community, such as leaving your legacy, talking about radiation treatments, talking about clinical trials. We talk about end of life, financial and estate planning, how to talk to your kids about breast cancer, etc. So lots of resources, and we hope you will hop over to survivingbreastcancer.org to check them all out and um, you know join our community. All right, so turning things back over to our hot topic today, let's dive right in. Welcome to the conversation. Welcome, everyone. So excited to convene again on a Sunday where we have our Every Other Sunday NBC webinar series where we dive into deep topics that are pertinent to the metastatic community. I'm so thrilled to be partnering with uh, Abigail Johnson, who serves as our board of directors and co-spheres our NBC leadership team initiatives. So, and I see a couple faces on this call also for who are helping us shape the future of NBC for our survivorbreastcancer.org website. So I appreciate all of that. And thank you all in advance for submitting your questions. And I look forward to the discussion today. So thank you. Everybody experiences progression in one way or another in the NBC community at one time or another. And why don't we talk about that a little bit more since that is definitely top of mind. So that's how we got here today. Um, So I invited Amy and Claudia to join Amanda and I to talk about this uh, important topic. Some people, when they've had an early stage diagnosis, and then when approximately 30% of those people uh, then develop stage four, some people call that a progression, right? You're going from an early stage progressing to a later stage diagnosis. So that's one way of progression. Um, For those of us who are hormone positive, there's a whole lot more progression because you can't take away all of the estrogen in the body. So people who are hormone positive tend to have more progressions than say people who are triple negative, who tend to have discrete actual diagnoses. 
So, um, and Claudia will get into this a little bit uh, when we turn it over to her to talk about her subtype. But one of the things I just wanted to start out with is this concept of progression is different for different subtypes. Progression is different for different stages. But in every case, what progression at its bottom line means is that the cancer has mutated. The cancer has figured out how to get around. And yes, I am anthropomorphizing cancer at this point, but cancer itself, because it mutates to get around the things that are killing it, it, it changes. And, and that is how progression occurs. When the cancer has changed, when the cancer has figured out how to get around medication. And so we talk about, we don't fail treatments, treatments fail us. But at the bottom line, progression is just how cancer grows and how cancer spreads and how cancer eventually, for those of us with MBC, will take over our bodies and kill us. And so that's why progression, I think, is such an important topic to cover because it encompasses why we have anxiety, why when we are tested or scanned every month or three months or six months or however often you're tested, we know what can happen. And so that's why I invited these amazing ladies to talk with us today about how they in particular handle progression and how progression has been a part of or hasn't been a part of their story. Because I think that it's important for people who have been on, say, one line of treatment, looking at you, Amy, and have been on that one line of treatment for years and years and years, how does that then change how they look at not only their cancer, but other people's cancer as well? Um, so that, that I just wanted to give everybody an overview. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Wonderful. Thank you, Abigail, for that thorough explanation. So let's dive into some introductions. Amy, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, so I am Amy Parliament. Um, I am on my first line of treatment. My original diagnosis was stage 3C. I am a rarity. I had breast cancer in both breasts and a set of lymph nodes for my first diagnosis. I was hormone positive, ER and PR positive. And then five months to the day of my original diagnosis, I was diagnosed with METS. And I currently am an advocate. I also have a medical background. I do imaging. So I manage um, a department during the week. And then I go and still scan because I want to be able to interact with people that are getting scanned and stay current with questions and things that may come up um, in the community. And I look forward to sharing my story with you today. Um, I was originally diagnosed in 2014. My metastatic diagnosis was in 2019. And I am still on my first line of treatment, which is Ibrance and Fazlodex, for those of you who have questions. When I was um, early stage, I did four rounds of AC, and then I did 12 rounds of Taxol, 36 radiation treatments. And with my metastatic diagnosis, we just switched to the Ibrance and Fazlodex, and then I had targeted radiation um, if you're watching or watch this later, you can contact me on Facebook or my email is grit74 at gmail.com. My number is 845-754-5397. I'm available to answer questions that you or your family may have. And Amy is my go-to person to explain any kind of scans because she can talk to you about how, how the scan happens, what's going on behind the scenes, what the doctor's looking for, what the limitations are of the scan. So um, thank you, Amy, for being so open with your contact information. Um, one of Amy's passions is to help 
metastatic patients have a good relationship with their techs that are doing the scanning um, because that that relationship, that interaction can be really helpful, um, especially as we have questions or as we're trying to understand things. So thank you, Amy. And let's turn things over to Claudia. Claudia, you are triple negative. So we're excited to hear more about your story. I'm very happy to be here. Uh, my name is Claudia Gonzalez, and uh, I was diagnosed in February of 2018 with triple negative metastatic breast cancer, uh, metastasis to the bone. Um, went through uh, the chemotherapy, then um, then the mastectomy. And, oh, let me just clarify, it was on my right breast. And that was actually after I had a clear mammogram in January of 2018. I had a clear mammogram, supposedly clear, um, but I kept insisting and insisting until my OBG sent me to a um, breast surgeon. And that's when they did the biopsy and they discovered that it was a cancerous um, lump. And then uh, again, February of 2018, did the chemotherapy, did the mastectomy in my right breast, even though I wanted both breasts to be removed, they only removed my right. Uh, Because supposedly it was, there was a really uh, small chance of recurrence. So uh, after that, I had uh, radiation on my um, spine where the metastasis was found. Then I had um, radiation on my breast and my lymph nodes uh, in my lymph area. Then I had, then I started Celora. I was in Celora for, uh, I believe, probably about six months or more, something like that. Um, and then I was let free. Uh, <laughs> the scans started coming and, uh, you know, get comfortable with the scan. Uh, you know, I was getting comfortable with the scans because the scans were all, uh, you know, no evidence and uh, continue going with my life. And then in 2021, June of 2021, I discovered a, a, a lump on my left breast. They did a biopsy, and again, it was triple negative also. Uh, Went through um, chemotherapy, and then uh, they didn't do radiation. Um, And then after that, my oncologist sent in my tumors for uh, genomic testing, and and I was and it was uh, found that I was PDL one positive, so that's when I started my immunotherapy with uh, Kitura, which I've been having that since uh, February. I've been having every three weeks Kitura treatment since February, um, and I'm on my thirteen Kitura right now. <laughs> I, I was asking Claudia this weekend how many how many she had had. So thank you for counting them up. I wanted to point out that Claudia used the word reoccurrence. And so for people who are triple negative, even though they will always be stage four, because once you are stage four, there's no going backwards. But this reoccurrence was just a stage three reoccurrence, right, Claudia? Correct. Correct. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. And yes. and that and that while it seems weird. 
that is normal for triple negative. So if they have a good response to chemo, there are often no evidence of disease for months, years. Uh, I think Janice has been dancing with no evidence of disease now for six years, yes. uh, or maybe it's five, somewhere in there. I think I try to keep promoting her, even though maybe <laughs> she hasn't quite reached that. Yes. Um, but for people with triple negative, it's, it's normal when there is a reoccurrence not to be restaged technically, even though sometimes some doctors will say you're, you're, you have both stage four and a stage three diagnosis. So mm-hmm. little confusing at times, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Especially for those of us in the hormone positive world where, you know, we, we stay on treatment forever and unless we take a holiday or something like that. Triple ne- a lot of times triple negative patients are able to be off medication for years, even though there's still a fair amount of uh, surveillance. So how often were you getting scans when you were no evidence of disease, Claudia? I was getting a scans every uh, four to five months. And when I walked into my um, oncologist's office right after my mammogram that same day, uh, she was ready to let me know that uh, my scans were going to be every six months. And then I told her, uh, haven't you hear what just happened? <laughs> and she went and found out. And, just, and I told her what had happened. And, and she went to actually to the um, next door and said, I'm going to get, I'm going to find you a surgeon right now. And they're going to do the biopsy right now. So that's how it happened. So right, right now, and right now I'm on every three months scans. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Claudia also referenced a, uh, somatic mutation. So um, some of you may realize there's a difference between germline and somatic mutations. Amanda will probably talk a little bit about the germline mutation she and I share that came from, uh, it's in our DNA, came came from our parents. Uh, A somatic mutation is a mutation that the cancer itself has acquired. And the Mm -hmm. PD-L1 somatic mutation is also one that indicates that the cancer is sensitive to chemotherapy. I'm sorry, to immunotherapy, not chemotherapy, mm-hmm. immunotherapy. Mm-hmm. And Keytruda is one of those immunotherapy uh, medications. So basically it is teaching the immune system what to do and revving up the immune system to have it do the thing that it is supposed to do, which is kill the cancer. So yes, I appreciate, Claudia, what you were mentioning, that your oncologist sent a test to see how much pdl one um, your cancer cells may or may not have had. So just to clarify, the PDL1 test, it measures the amount of PDL1 on cancer cells. PDL1 is a protein that helps keep immune cells from attacking non-harmful cells in the body. Normally, the immune system fights foreign substances like viruses and bacteria and not your own healthy cells. Some cancer cells have high amounts of PDL1. This allows the cancer to quote unquote trick the immune system and avoid being attacked as foreign harmful substances. If your cancer cells have a high amount of PDL1, you may benefit from immunotherapy, which is what Claudia was mentioning. Amanda, let's turn things over to you. We'd love to hear your story. Um, hi, everybody. My name is Amanda Raffinad, and um, just um, happy to be here. Thank you, Abigail and Laura. Um, I know this isn't our first um, time together. I just really appreciate this outlet and what you guys are doing for um, so many people. It's so necessary. Um, I've I've been living with metastatic breast cancer for three and a half years. It'll be four years in December. So I was diagnosed December, 2018, um, stage four de novo, did not have an earlier stage diagnosis. And um, as Abigail alluded to, 
um, right around the time I was getting diagnosed, we were also doing genetic testing and found that I have the ATN mutation. And so this is a germline mutation something that I inherited from my mother. Um, she also had a breast cancer diagnosis, but was early stage. And um, she's not had, you know, once she had her mastectomy, um, she was stage zero. So she did not need treatment necessarily beyond that. So I also like Claudia had kind of an unfortunate di diagnosis situation where I was under their surveillance of a breast care surgeon for four, about four years, um, just given our family history. Um, I, both my grandmothers had breast cancer and um, all my mammograms were clear, ultrasounds clear. And it was one day I was walking from work to my car, having trouble literally moving my legs. And I thought, what is going on? And so um, it was time for like annual MRI. And at that point it identified multiple spots of malignancy in the breast that was missed on the mammogram ultrasound. And it had already spread to my sternum and some other bones that it picked up on the MRI. So um, just a very um, shocking diagnosis and, you know, going from my mom's experience with stage zero, which seemed like um, such a short kind of, you know, she didn't have chemo, she didn't have radiation to now it's, it's here stage four, it's on my bones. It was just, a, it was a lot to wrap my mind around. And I got about two years out of my first line of treatment. I was also hormone positive, ERPR positive. Um, so I was on Ibrance and Letrozole. Um, so I almost got two years out of treatment um, which was great. And then it seems like at that point, my body just decided it did not want to respond to anything. And so I'm now on my eighth line of treatment. Um, I have multiple subtypes. I also have triple negative. We found through um, my biopsy, I think it was in summer of 2021, um, I've had multiple biopsies. And so every, unfortunately, it seems like every two to three months when I go for a scan, there is another area of progression. And it has been mind numbing, to be honest, because it seems like, you know, like Abigail said, the cancer is trying to do what it can do to, to not respond to this treatment. And so um, it's, it's been, um, it's been a lot of trauma because you hear of people that live, you know, for many, many years on their first line and then get, you know, maybe a year on their second line. And so I'm at the point where I've gone through all the hormonal therapies. I'm resistant to those. I'm pretty sure I'm resistant to all chemotherapy, but we just keep trying. Um, there's a couple more options that we have, but um, I've had multiple rounds of radiation. Um, I'm currently in radiation right now, again, for my spine, my thoracic spine, but it's, um, everything has spread from 2018. That was just bone only to now it's in my lungs and I have pleural effusions. It's really all over my liver. I think my last scan that they actually counted, just stopped counting at 15 tumors and said, we're going to give you a 15 plus because, you know, we'll, we'll identify the big ones and that's it. Um, and then uh, it spread to my brain um, in June. So a couple of months ago, and that was of course shocking. And that is just another, you know, really hard piece of news to wrap your mind around. I had gamma knife um, radiation in July. And so I just had my follow-up brain scan. I don't know the results yet, but we'll see what, you know, what happened with the gamma knife and, 
it's just, I feel like my doctor calls it whack-a-mole at this point. You know, every, every two to three months we're scanning and we're, we're figuring out what the priority area is. And um, obviously we want a systemic treatment to be effective. Um, and I don't know if I'm going to get that. And, and that's the reality that um, there are, there are many people living with this disease and treatments just keep failing. And I, I would never have guessed that getting almost two years out of Ibrance, I'd be where I am today with, you know, turning over treatments every three months, but um, here I am. And, you know, what do you do? You try to find life and it just like you, you do if you're still on your first line. So um, it's, it's definitely been a roller coaster other than the germline mutation, the ATM mutation, I've had a, many somatic mutations and some come in and some fall off. Uh, cancer is the weirdest thing. Um, I've been on a clinical trial. I've been, um, you know, on standard chemo, IV chemotherapy. I've been on oral chemotherapy. I've tried so many different options. Um, right now I'm on doxel chemotherapy and then looking at maybe a trial um, in the future if I have a stable brain scan. So um, still not giving up, even though I know these treatments, you know, for some they work and for some they don't. For those of us who are in the community and have the same diagnosis, that seeing somebody like Amanda, who is just blowing through treatments every three months, it can be really scary. It can be really traumatizing to see somebody else who is having a much more difficult time versus getting time on, on the treatment. So if you're feeling a little uncomfortable after Amanda just shared about her experience um, or experiences and how they're going, that that is incredibly normal because in some ways, Amanda, Amanda's experience is our future when, when the cancer begins to get out of control and the medication can't control it. So that's part of the reason why I wanted Amanda to come and talk to everybody today because how she's dealing with that, I think is very instructive for everybody. Exactly. And that's what I appreciate so much about these conversations where we're hearing from Amy and Claudia and Amanda, and this idea of progression can take on many forms. And I think that's what you are really highlighting in today's conversation. I also wanted to just acknowledge, you know, we want to share these stories. We want to hear the ups and the downs and the realities because the more knowledge that we put out there, the more information we can share with our community, advocate for additional resources, advocate for research, it all helps. So I am just so thrilled that all of you guys have taken the time out of your Sunday to be on our NBC webinar series and help us understand through your lived experiences, um, a better understanding of progression. So thank you. And thank you all for listening and tuning in week after week here on Breast Cancer Conversations. Please be mindful that all of our content and information is for educational purposes only and is never a substitute for medical advice. If you want to hang out again, please check out survivingbreastcancer.org forward slash events where you can RSVP to our Thursday Night Thrivers weekly meetup, our Movement Monday classes, workshops, seminars, and so much more. We can also continue the dialogue online via social media. Our Instagram handle is survivingbreastcancer.org, all one word, and you can follow us on Twitter at SBC underscore ORG. Until next time, keep on thriving.